Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Dicalicious Season 2. I'm Leah, and I am just popping in before the episode just to say a quick thank you for continuing to follow us and subscribe to, to our channels. And we're very excited to have you back. This season coming up has a lot of very interesting people. We have some really great conversations, and we hope that you enjoyed them as much as we enjoyed having the conversations. So, yeah. Stay tuned and, and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dicalicious. I'm Casey. And I'm Leah. And today we have a very special guest with us who we're very excited about. She's the author of the book A Short History of Queer Women, which is an impressively succinct summary of lesbian history from the time of Sappho to Megan Rapinoe. It's truly hilarious and packed with information about where all these lesbian stereotypes come from, like why we're such soppy romantic vegetarians and how we got to the rights and recognition that we have today, even though we've still got a long way to go. So welcome, Kirsty Law, and thanks so much for being here with us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Absolute yes. pleasure. So we actually found your book whilst we were in London uh, at Christmas, and we were visiting the bookshop Gaze the Word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we saw this, like, massive poster, and, I, like, we were just about to pay for, like, this other stack of queer books, and like, I was like, oh my God, I want a copy of that poster. It's so cool. And then Casey found your book. And so we're like, oh yeah, add that to the top of the pile. <laughs> and, yeah. and then we started reading it on the train straight away on the, what's it called? Oh, the subway. Thanks. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, that's why a lot of people got it. They, um, it's because it was usually up at like the till or the, where um, you pay for books. It's usually yeah. there. So yeah. um, a lot of people would go and buy a load of books and then last minute they'd see it and then... Um, yeah, they just get it. So um, I think the cover as well has drawn a lot of people to it. Yeah, the cover is really cool. So it's got this illustration on it from um, Jennifer, Jennifer Prince. Jennifer Prince. Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. I actually have a few of her artworks up around my apartment as well. Do you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's wicked, isn't she? She's so cool. Really, yeah. really cool. So on this podcast, Kirsty, we usually start each episode with a very important question, which is how gay was your day? Oh, my day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not not great. Not very gay, I don't think. I mean, I woke up um, alone. Okay. Because um, now I'm single. But I, now I'm single. I just love telling everyone that I'm single. <laughs> I haven't been single in ages. <laughs> like a really long time. So I just feel like I need to tell everyone that I'm single. Because uh-huh. I just think it's like, I just like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. I'm just really into being single. Um, I think that's quite gay. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Not, no, it isn't actually. Lesbians are always in relationships, aren't they? So I woke up with all of my cats on the bed because they, they like to sleep with me. Uh, my son's not with me today, but no, I mean, I taught, I went and taught English and then, I mean, I was thinking about girls. <laughs> that makes it okay. Is, yeah. Okay. Is that all right? <laughs> always. <laughs> always. Yeah, pretty much. And what about you, Leah? How gay was your day? Uh, my day was pretty gay. Uh, I woke up next to my girlfriend, so pretty gay. Um, pretty gay and yeah. then we went for brunch. So that was, I think brunch mm-hmm. is a pretty gay activity. 
and now I'm with you lot. So uh, yeah, brilliant, solid. <laughs> and you, Katie? Yeah, my I reckon my day has actually been quite gay so far because I also went to this brunch and then I found <laughs> a litter of kittens around the corner from my house <gasps> yesterday. That's so. like been my. That's <laughs> always been my dream. I went, we went and fed this litter of stray kittens. They were very cute. They're, Did you yeah. not take them home with you? Okay, look, so my plan is just to like feed them for a few days and then monitor, I'm going to call monitor. the um, association and have someone okay. come and rescue them. Or you could just bring them back look, to where you live. There's five of them. So. <laughs> they are very cute. Though. They were really cute, really cute. Oh, okay, so the, like, the mum's with them, everything's fine, they're all good. Yeah, so, so they're fine. Yeah, you don't need to bring them back. Yeah, they're fine. And like, they're, they're probably be annoyed. As well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're fine. Yeah, I feel like we're jungle I just cats. like pictured like these like orphaned kittens with their eyes closed, and you were just like, oh yeah, okay. They're safe. They're away from the road, just so that everybody yeah, is aware. Okay. Like we're not putting them in any danger. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving them on the side of the road just to fend for themselves. Yeah, a little bit of extra food here and there. <laughs> Scraps. Fantastic. So we tried to do a little bit of research on you and we couldn't find too much. So we wanted to, <laughs> we wanted to rephrase the question and ask you how gay was your life? Oh, massively. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, how gay is my life? <laughs> what a question. Um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's very gay. Or I like, I don't know, I think I prefer to use the word lesbian. I'm trying to like, um, I feel comfortable using that word mm -hmm. okay. and want more and more people to feel comfortable using it. It um, has its ups and downs throughout history, that word, hasn't it? So mm -hmm. I think at the moment it's got a lot of negative connotations for various reasons. Um, but yeah, I guess my life from birth um until now is yeah very lesbian i played football as a kid oh nice um i love football like love it yeah um but really i should say i love women shouldn't i before football i mean up so, to you that's the first thing i went for <laughs> i'm so lesbian i love football <laughs> i guess i didn't realize i was queer or lesbian until i was i would say quite late i was 16 and it mm -hmm. kind of hit me like a bus. Like I was so shocked because mm -hmm. I was adamant that I was straight. And I really thought I was straight. I had boyfriends. Although my first boyfriend was a gay man. I think a lot of lesbians have that, yeah. But then once I kind of realized, I looked back at my life and thought, oh my God, yeah, of course. Like everything <laughs> makes a lot of sense. That's why and this, that's why that, that's why this. So yeah, I guess, um, yeah, very lesbian life. <laughs> Yeah, nice. It's, it's quite interesting for me that you think that 16 is quite late. Yeah, a lot of people disagree with me with that. But I think I just, I'm an only child and um, my mum's quite young. So we kind of grew up as more like, not like sisters, but we kind of grew up together. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't know, I always felt like I had this sort of certainty on my life and who I was and what I was. Like, I was kind of like quite self-assured about who I was and where I came mm -hmm. from and stuff like that. So yeah, when I was 16, it was, it was a massive shock. And I did at the time feel like that I was quite old then, mm. but obviously, you know, that's a baby, isn't it? Of course it's a baby, 16. Yeah. I didn't come out until a lot later though. It was, um, I struggled. I oh, yeah. 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 I didn't come out until I was like 19, 20. Cause mm. I grew up in a, I grew up in Manchester in the UK, mm -hmm. which is like notoriously gay friendly, but where I, where I lived, it wasn't, I lived on this quite rough council estate. And back then, I mean, 
oh, I'm 37 now and it's not it's not like a, a long time ago but in terms of technology it's it's so, there's it's just so different and in terms of terminology mm-hmm, like yeah. as a millennial everything was so binary then like you were just a boy or a girl mm-hmm. and that was it and if you didn't fit into this girl category then you were a lesbian so it was just um yeah I struggled like, I really really struggled I didn't I didn't want to be a lesbian Mm. because it would it didn't look like the lifestyle that I imagined myself to have and so yeah I did struggle but then as soon as I came out I never looked back really um I'm I just I love it I love being a lesbian I love being queer I love being part of the community it's like you know when people say like oh there's more things about you than that I really I just think like it's the best thing about me I really do I think it's one of the most interesting things about me I think it's the coolest thing about me and I'm just so grateful that I'm part of this community and I feel sorry for like heterosexual people involved in it like I just feel sorry for them because they're just not involved in this core community where we can just live our lives it's such a nice community so warm and welcoming and friendly it's uh yeah yeah cool and so one of the other things that we wanted to ask you we know on your social media you tend to do like these person of the day history stories and today we're recording on Bastille Day yeah. in France. And we noticed in your book you did a little, there was some information that you shared about Marie Antoinette. And um, we were wondering if you could give us like a, a quick little person of the day about Marie Antoinette. Yeah, one um, one person got really annoyed about Oh, really? Particularly. Yeah, don't, she just like got really angry about it. She was just like, she is not a lesbian. And I was like, oh, I'm not saying she's a lesbian, but she did look at someone's boobs. So. There you there have it. Just, yeah, there's just a really, there's a really funny story about um, Marie Antoinette where she was just at like some party just being bougie. And um, there was this writer there and she was caught looking at her boobs uh-huh. and she kind of styled it out like she was looking at the brooch. Like, you know, you know, you like look down and then you're like, oh shit. <laughs> like, oh, that's a nice brooch. <laughs> I can swear on here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, right, good. Thank God. Um, and then this, but this person wrote about it and it's just, it's quite funny what she says. She's like, oh, she was supposed to be looking at a brooch, but she was actually looking at my tits. Um, <laughs> But also, she she there were there were rumors of relationships with certain people in her um, residence. So she had favorites and stuff, and mm. she didn't consummate with her husband Louis the Sixteenth for like seven years, mm. which a long is time. suspicious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they didn't have sex for seven years. I don't really understand why they had sex after seven years. I don't know what changed, but there was a lot of things in the newspapers and the media because she didn't provide an heir. Mm. So they made out that she was like crap at being a woman or that she was like sleeping with other women. But there were actually rumors in that she was sleeping with one woman who she favored. And um, I mean, we we don't know for sure, but Mm. again, I'm not, I'm not saying that these people are, I'm not saying Mary Antoinette is a lesbian, but I'm just saying (laughs) that there are, yeah hopefully but I'm just saying that there are like there are queer elements to these historical people Mm. and historians always paint historical people straight until proven otherwise so Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm just doing is saying they're queer until proven otherwise and that's a very queer thing to do is look at someone's boobs and then pretend that you didn't (laughs) um, because we've all done it (laughs) I mean hey Ethan Kirsten Stewart's done it 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kate Blanchett lives for it. So yeah, she does. Yeah, so like um, I don't know. I just people people get offended when I say these historical people are queer, but I think that says more about them than it does about me. Yeah, one hundred percent. And what you said before about historians usually assume straight until proven otherwise. It must have been a big task to find all these stories that you gathered because historians have rewritten everything. Like even Sappho, they tried to rewrite her as just standard straight. So how did how was that process for you? Yeah, a lot of people ask me that. But I think once I discovered the word queer, as in the word how we use it now, mm. it's such a gift, isn't it, that word? So mm. I think once I discovered that and what it meant, it the research process became quite easy because... I don't know about you, but as a lesbian, I just assume everyone else is a lesbian. Um, yeah. I just do. I'm just like, they're a lesbian. And if they tell me they're not, I'm like, well, you are. But you just I don't, don't know. know why aren't you? Uh, yeah. Or why aren't you? I, or I just don't believe them. So I just think everyone is queer in their own way. Like they must be. I don't believe in binary and, and, and things like that. But I guess I've been, when I realized I was gay when I was 15, I love, I love history so much. So I immediately went and looked for people like me immediately. Mm. And I guess I've been researching since I was 15. Mm-hmm. So it's such a long time, but then it, it wasn't that difficult for me to find them because I already knew that a lot of the people existed when I was mm-hmm. writing the book. Oh, yeah. So yeah, people always ask like, was it really, really difficult or or was it hard? But because I love history and I and I love um, queer reading and queer theory and things like that. These these people just came out to me really, they, they, mm-hmm. no pun intended, but there was a, a light, <laughs> there was like a light shone on them and just little queer things like with Marie Antoinette, just little things like that. You won't read about in the history mm. books, will you? You just hear all the normal stuff, the usual stuff that Marie Antoinette got up to, but you don't see that. And that's a, it's a queer thing. And I think as a kid in, in, a, hist- in a history class at school, mm. if I'd read that, I would have felt so much better about myself because that's the sort of stuff I was doing at 15, looking at women's boobs, you know? <laughs> so if I'd seen that, I would, yeah, I would have been, I would have felt more comfortable in myself. So um, it wasn't that difficult, no, because I, I already knew that half of these people were queer anyway, and then the rest of them, um, I just put a queer lens on it, and then yeah, you just it just kind of comes out. Mm-hmm. I think for history and stuff, they tend to even if there are signs that there are like lesbians in in history, they always tend to play it off as oh they were just really great friends or they were roommates or they were this, and they try to find every single angle that just can explain why they were so close with another person of the same sex or whatever. Mm. Yeah, or like it was just of the time, like women were just normally closer. Yeah, they just like love to sleep in the same bed together. (laughs) I know, it's terrible. But again, it doesn't doesn't fit into the heteronormative way of life, does it? Especially to cis women or or lesbians. Like it excludes men, doesn't it? So... Of course, they're just going to be best friends. Yeah, they're just going to be best friends. Nothing more. That's it. Mm. So that's why a lot of them were painted as as best friends. Also, women in history are meek and um, non-violent and non-aggressors, whereas gay men were were kind of represented as aggressive and sodomites, things like that. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas with women, it was just an impossible notion for it to happen. So they were just friends because there's no way they could ever have sex or like even be in love with each other in a romantic way there's just no way that could ever happen Mm. yeah there wasn't it a thing like even with was it the English government then when they wanted to introduce a law against lesbianism they were like this is like we shouldn't do it because once they hear the word lesbian 
every yeah. woman is going to become lesbian. They thought they were going to start lesbianism. <laughs> like they, that's just like, oh, that's just like the straight white man. The worst thing ever, isn't it? They just, they genuinely thought that if they had just created this rule that lesbians would suddenly go, oh, what? We can do what? And then start doing <laughs> it. So like we hadn't better. been doing it for years before. But they were really disgusted doing the, there's like, there's like, re- not recordings, there's, um, uh, it's been written down like the conversations they were having and they were really disgusted by it and they couldn't even bring themselves to talk about it because they were just so like <laughs> oh my god this is repulsive um, shocking they just they just could not deal with it and in the end it just got too much for them so they didn't do a law they just thought oh, they just, just left it, it. Just they just left it, it. <laughs> it was, it was just not much. mention it pretend like it's not a thing. It, won't, it won't happen yeah it was just too much for them yeah right wow and like so you mentioned earlier that you teach english how would yeah. you feel about like introducing more queer history into like school curriculums? Do you currently? And do you, well, yeah. I teach English as a language, so I teach non-native speakers. So I get a lot of students from a lot of countries where being a lesbian is either is illegal or punishable by death or mm-hmm. not tolerated or many people have different views. I'm quite private anyway, but I don't know if that stems from me being queer so maybe it's not even my choice that I think I'm private. I don't know. Mm. But yeah, I don't really discuss it. And a couple of them have Googled my name and it's come up. And I, I have, if people ask about my son, they usually ask about my husband mm-hmm. and I will correct them. But it's something that I don't really discuss. But but on the curriculum, in if it was in government schools and primary schools mm. and secondary schools, 100%, I think it mm. needs to be there. I mean... a lack of queer history you don't exist do you Mm. and that's very much what I felt at school I really felt like I didn't exist Mm -hmm. there was no one around the the only person really that was around was Ellen and yeah yeah. you don't you daren't mention her name in school especially Mm. school I was at because you would you would just they'd just go you're a lesbian yeah and that was it that it was like lesbians existed from Ellen Oh, yeah, it's like it is like that. It's like that's where lesbians came from, Ellen. Mm-hmm. Thank God so, that she exists. Yeah, thank God she's. Yeah, gay. I know. So otherwise, none of us would be here. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. <laughs> that that when she came out on the magazine cover, like it was groundbreaking. But then you know she immediately got cancelled. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was the representation. That was the role model you had. You come out and your life is ruined. Yeah. yeah. So I think it people. Oh, it, it's it's so necessary. And they're trying to, because Section 28, where the promotion of LGBTQ families and things, that's been repealed. But there's there's talk of it trying to be enacted again. Mm. It's just so dangerous. It's so dangerous because I live in Brighton at the moment and there's so many queer families here. And I have I have a son mm-hmm. who has two mothers. And it's just without that representation, these people, my son doesn't exist. These people don't exist. I don't exist. It's just so yeah. dangerous. And it's mm. really sad. And it's so important that we learn about this, but not just queer history, all history. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Black history, people of color. Um, even things like I was talking with someone today about um, the troubles and like, we don't learn about that in school with Northern Ireland and um, yeah. the, mm. and the UK. We don't learn about any of that at school. We don't learn about the um, revolutionary war because we lost. Like we don't learn about the British Empire, who were horrific. We don't, yeah, we don't learn about all the stuff. So I, don't know. I think the whole thing needs to be rebranded. It needs, to, it needs to be so much more inclusive because it's damaging. It really is. One hundred percent. I mean, I think I had a big problem with not learning about like the British Empire because I went to India when I was nineteen, 
had no idea that it existed. <laughs> and then I went to India and I've got all these people calling me a Britisher. And what the fuck is that? And then I've got these people explaining to me about the British colony and everything like that. And I'm just like, I feel so fucking stupid. Like I'm in this country. I had no idea about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I even I like studied like uh, history as like one of my chosen subjects for GCSEs. Yeah, and I was just too. so surprised that they don't include it. No, and if it, if it is included, it's celebrated, which is yeah. just fucked up in, in itself. Yeah, right. We were also wondering, in your experience of writing and publishing this book, did you come across any discrimination or problems about the fact that it was queer or, like, was it fully supported from the get-go? Well, I originally wrote it for my master's. I was in Sweden with my ex-girlfriend and um, I was doing a master's for free. This was pre-Brexit, so uh-huh. you could do Obviously, stuff like yeah. that. You could do, yeah, no, amazing. You could like live in a country and do cool (laughs) stuff. So I was in Sweden and I just wrote it for my thesis. And um, yeah, it wasn't received great because Mm. there was an academic part. I hate hate academic writing anyway. I can't do it. But there was an (laughs) academic part and a creative part. And there was a lot of criticism about how um, it excluded like straight readers. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, that's the point of the book. <laughs> anyway, so, but then also it was like, you're adding nothing to um, research. Like, I'm adding nothing to research. That was a big criticism. Meanwhile, in the same class, there was like five people who'd written about Lord of the Rings. And I was oh. like, oh, yeah. They're all I writing mean... about Lord of the Rings. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it wasn't. There it is. Yeah, I know. So, that it wasn't. I mean, the creative part was received quite well, but yeah, the academic part, they, they, it was, they just didn't understand. Mm. And, you know, people need, again, the whole education system and people just, it's everything's so heteronormative. Yeah. People just, that's this, the default, isn't it? But then when I came back to England after me and my ex-girlfriend broke up, I came back to the UK and I rewrote it a little bit. And then I don't know, I just, I'm a northerner in, I'm from Manchester and we kind of had this attitude where it's just like, I'll give it, a go and mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just email my manuscript to like every publisher in the UK which uh-huh. I did and I didn't have a literary agent and I didn't really expect anything but yeah this one person who's my editor who was just amazing and she worked with loads of men and she um she was really into the idea of it and she really pushed for it and I was so sh- I'm so lucky so mm. lucky mm. how it happened like mm. it's just unheard of really so I was so so lucky and she was great such an ally mm. um straight sadly but yeah. for now um yeah for now. well I tr- tried it <laughs> no I didn't really <laughs> that was a joke Celia if you're <laughs> fit though she's fit um but yeah no <laughs> but yeah that's how it happened so I was just so lucky so so lucky yeah that's cool but no no nothing since the day I did it in an academic environment that's the only time I've ever received like a pushback is then but in the publishing with the publishing house they've been all for it oh that's okay. nice that's really cool yeah it's really really cool mm. I think one thing that I really like about the book is the fact that like I'm learning a lot about all of these kind of queer figures in history but at the same time I'm having all of these jokes that relate to like modern times or like like for example there was one passage passage in the book about the islamic philosophers and physicians do you want to read out the passage yeah i can read out the passage it is pretty good passage i had me in stitches on the train actually islamic philosophers and physicians also had a lot to say one guy al-kindi said that women are lesbians because they had itchy vaginas 
Another guy, Johanna Ibn Masawai, agreed, helpfully adding that if a pregnant woman eats celery, her daughter will end up fancying women. But hence the all lesbians are vegans trope. <laughs> and honestly, when I read this, I think this is like... <laughs> It just really made me love the book. And it's like the first 30 pages, I think. And it was just constant after that. And it was just, yeah, I really, really liked that. Are you vegan? I'm not, unfortunately. My mum didn't eat enough celery. <laughs> no, me too. I'm vegetarian. <laughs> okay, so you're halfway there. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess like that transition from the not being so academic to coming out with this really funny book. Was there like a reason behind this tone of voice that you had in the writing? Yeah, definitely. Because I, I love queer theory and lesbian studies and gender studies, but I always find that world's quite inaccessible. It's mm. um, it's very difficult, a lot of the jargon to get your head around. Like mm -hmm. Judith Butler, Gender Trouble. Like, I love that book so much, but I don't understand half of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just, I wanted to write something that was a quick read and also accessible in that it was a, it was something fun because queer history is, it's not happy, is it? Yeah, it's not happy intense. history. Yeah. Yeah, it's really intense and there's a lot of death. So <laughs> oh, there's still a lot of death. Like, I can't take that away. But oh, there's also really funny moments and nice moments in these people's lives that mm. they, they did have. They had partners and relationships. They got married. Mm -hmm. There were times in their lives where they were happy. So I really wanted to focus on that mm. um, more so than the jargon and the academic nature of queer theory and queer studies and mm -hmm. make it accessible. And that was a big goal of mine. Selfishly, it was written for me uh -huh. as a 15 year old so that that was why I wrote it because I would just I, I was, as a 15 year old we didn't have I didn't have the internet when I was 15 it was very mm. new mm. um so this book would have been a godsend it would have honestly it would have it would have been really 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 helpful for me as a as a teenager yeah totally it's so validating to hear all these stories one of the chapter headings that really struck out to me is that it was I'm so glad you exist and I did I did have that feeling when I was reading the book of like hearing all these stories it's so, um, like, like I said, it's just so validating to, to know where we come from. And it's, um, it's nice that you say that because that was actually the original title of the book. Oh, oh really? Yeah, yeah. Because um, Lorraine Hansbury, she was a writer and she stumbled across one of the um, first lesbian magazines in the US. Mm. And she immediately wrote to them and she wrote, I'm glad as heck that you exist. Mm. And that really resonated with me too. I was mm -hmm. like, that that just particular sentence was just something that I really found for me because when I was young, the, if you'd find something like that, I'd be like, oh my God, these people exist. This is amazing. And, and mm. then yes, yeah, so she wrote to them and that was actually the original title, but we changed it because it just became more than that, you know? Yeah, good choice, good choice. Yeah. One of the other things that we picked up on is in the introduction, you made a note saying that this is a book about lesbian history, but you're referring to the people by their birth sex, so mostly women, which is what they would have been labelled in their time. But maybe looking back on it with the language that we have today, they might have identified differently, like as trans or non-binary, if they had the opportunity. We wanted to ask if you had anything more to say about that, if like the way that adds to their visibility or how they've been perceived in these categories if you will yeah so that that has been the main topic of discussion and a lot of negativity has come from it mm -hmm. um originally there were no pronouns it was just they them that I wrote in the book but mm -hmm. my editors made me change it because um I don't know they just they 
So I was like, just they then for everything. And then I went from he to she to he to she to he to she when people presented as male and then presented as female. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, they were just like, you need to just do it as how they were assigned because that's just history. And, and we don't know, we don't know how they would have identified themselves. But yeah, there's been a lot of negativity on that because a lot of these women was, would have certainly been trans mm, if yeah. they had had the vocabulary. Mm. So they certainly would have labeled themselves trans or use pronouns he him mm-hmm. or even be non-binary but we just don't know do we and and it it's upsetting that some people think that it's like I'm trying to raise people because that's certainly not what I'm trying to do like I would never mm-hmm. write an, an inclusive book and like exclude a major yeah. part of the community yeah yeah but it was just it's just such a tricky area to navigate I mean there, there is one person Radcliffe Hall mm. who I won with because this person they went by John mm-hmm. and they actually did use he, him pronouns. So I was mm-hmm. allowed to get away with that because there was enough evidence there, I think, to, yeah. to show that. But with history, it's difficult because you just don't know. You don't know how, without them explicitly telling you, you, you don't know. And they had those, the words, woman and man, mm-hmm. and you just kind of have to go with what, what they said really or or what yeah like what they were assigned at birth but mm. then you're also at risk of excluding butch women and mm-hmm. butch lesbians because mm-hmm. obviously trans men and butch women have a very shared history which I think is very interesting and something I'd like to explore more mm. because you know there is a part of our community um unfortunately uh, lesbian community that are very against that turfs yeah. I'm talking about yeah um and it's a very very small part of our community which I want people to know because the media have just really hyped that and it just makes it's it's like the media have just said all lesbians hate trans people yeah and that's yeah, yeah don't just take that bit out of what I just said then by the way we were <laughs> don't just edit around that <laughs> you're safe with us clickbait um but the media have just kind of said that haven't they and it's like it's such a small part of our community Mm. it's nothing like lesbians are so welcoming and inclusive and trans men and um lesbians have such a shared history that is so Mm. interesting and Mm. and it really there needs to be more research on it because it's just it's fascinating Mm. yeah so um yeah i just hope people i think there's a there's a fine line between someone with hatred Mm. and wanting to erase people and then someone just trying their best in the community and wanting to be inclusive but not really times are changing so fast and it's it's like we don't really know yet how to talk about these things in the past so we're just doing our best to represent and show and without any harm or any negativity we're just really trying to show people in the past as we see them and and there's nothing bad it's not coming from a bad place you know yeah and I just, I just hope that people will see that because I really would hate to exclude anyone. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's really interesting. One of the characters that you did talk about that was quite surprising, like and exciting for me, was Charlotte Bronte because I've never heard of her being queer. I, I don't know why I was just very excited about that. But, <laughs> do you love that? I love it too. Well, now I do. <laughs> And then I went looking for more resources about her queer story and I didn't find anything. What, what was your source? I just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as I was saying before, the letters mm. are there. And mm. once you queer read these letters, it's, 
I mean, I, I printed them in the book. They're just, mm. they're like, at one point she was going to marry Ellen Nussie's brother so she could live in the same house as Ellen, but she didn't want to marry the brother because he was boring. So she didn't do that. Yeah. And then, then she's like, if I were a man, we'd have the best relationship ever. So mm. this is not how friends, I mean, do you talk to your friends like that? <laughs> not always. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> but I guess when you just look at those letters through a different lens, then mm. you can see that there's more here than friendship. There has to be because mm. you don't speak. And yeah, people argue that the language back then was more flowery and mm. it's different. But I don't know, you read between the lines. The same with Eleanor Roosevelt and mm. Lorraine Hickok. Their mm. letters were the same. It's just there's more to it there than just friendship and the Brontes I love anyway. I just, I love, I love that whole family. But also Emily Bronte, like there's no, there's no evidence whatsoever to even say that she was straight. Hmm. She's more likely to be asexual, to be honest, because there was no romantic relationships with anybody. And yeah, her life was short, but there was nothing, not one thing. And there's, hmm. there was a movie out recently where like they just made oh, up her boyfriend. And I was like, that man did not exist. Although he did, no, he did exist, but like there was no, there was no like romantic elements between them like yeah she actually like didn't really like him that much yeah so i've read all the diaries and stuff so it's just yeah pe again people just presume people are straight until proven otherwise and emily bronte is probably asexual probably mm. had no sexual feelings for anyone mm. if you look at her diaries and things like that she mm. shows no signs of being interested in anyone or sex or anything like that mm. so yeah there are people that have adhered to the queerness in her letters mm. Yeah, I didn't just like look at it and just decide. <laughs> gay. There are the people that agree. <laughs> gay, 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 gay. <laughs> Did you find any like, I mean, I think I've kind of already asked obviously about the vegans and everything, but did you find any similarities between like historical lesbians or queer women and modern ones? Like, um, for example, couples that like you hold or... Yeah, like what came first, lesbian or U-Haul? Yeah, massively. Like before I wrote this book, I genuinely thought that my life was really interesting and like <laughs> I was like this really unique lesbian. <laughs> I was like, because I've always wanted to be a writer. So I was like, I'm going to write about all the relationships I've had and all the sex I've had. And it's so interesting. Like no one's ever had like any experiences <laughs> like me. And then I wrote this book and then like obviously met a lot of other people and realized that all lesbians are exactly the same like they're really intense <laughs> pretty much they're really dramatic they have really intense relationships i mean yeah it's based yeah they're all they're all it's we've been like this since forever <laughs> like the uh, two women in in ireland who ran away to wales the ladies of langlothan they ran away immediately after like two weeks of meeting so like we're in <laughs> yeah. love and they had a dog and they just like ran off <laughs> and Lister is another one oh. falls hard like falls hard oh, yeah. in love immediately falls out of love even quicker so yeah the the comparisons are hilarious and that's something that I wanted to include there was two things that I really wanted to highlight with lesbians in particular was being funny because of the community we are seen as kind of the boring ones yeah, in the community yeah. that kind of get into a relationship for 25 years and then that's it which yeah people do <laughs> but we're also really funny like there's I think lesbians in particular have this certain kind of wit. Mm. There's like a certain kind of wit that only lesbians have. And it's very funny and very dry and very sarcastic, but also very self-deprecating. Yeah. And we can make these jokes, but if anyone else makes the jokes, it's not funny, but we can do it and it's hilarious. Yeah. 
And these stereotypes that we call stereotypes, but 99% of them are completely true. <laughs> I've I've moved in, like I moved in with both my ex-girlfriends very quickly. Mm-hmm. Like I always say guilty of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do I do that a lot. I mean, I just don't really understand why you wouldn't. Yeah. But I'm, just, yeah, man, I mean, we don't want to waste like, time here. Not? Yeah, like why don't we just live together? You're gonna be there <laughs> um, time anyway. But yeah, the other thing was sex. I really wanted to talk about sex because mm. lesbians and Lesbians only really know about sex within the community. Other lesbians talk about sex with each other. Mm. But nobody really knows what lesbians do. Hence the question, what do you do? How do you have sex? Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And that's the question you get asked a lot, don't you, by yeah. straight men usually. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to write about sex because lesbians have a lot of sex. And it's a myth that we don't because we do. Yes. <laughs> and in history, they did as well. They did. They was they they were all at it. They were all fucking each other. Look at Anne Lister. Like <laughs> she was mad. She was busy. And then in Paris in the early twenties, they were all at it. All of them. Natalie Barney. Just it was insane. There's a lot of horny lesbians in history. They weren't just sat around <laughs> with a dog writing. Yeah, a lot of them were, but they were also having a lot of sex. And I really, really wanted to write about that because it was very important to me. So being funny and having sex and just being three-dimensional rather than just this kind of image of a sad lesbian with a dog (laughs) yeah Mm. or a cat yeah it's really nice to overturn the um lesbian bed death stereotype as well for sure yeah yeah that that annoys me as well because I mean I do I do reference it in the book as a joke (laughs) but it's not I know a lot of straight couples that stopped having sex Mm. I think it's just normal in a long-term relationship yeah I think that's what happens to a lot of people or it doesn't but it i wouldn't just say it was just lesbians yeah for sure yeah so ready for the quiz ready for the quiz oh my god what oh no (laughs) (laughs) we just wanted to ask you a few fun questions as well starting off with who is your favorite queer woman or favorite queer couple in history that you found so far i love natalie barney Mm, legend yeah nobody knows about her either like, no one knows who this person is. And I really need to get to Paris, actually, and go and have a look at her house because there's a temple in the back garden. Oh, really? Where she just used to bang women, yeah, <laughs> in a temple. Uh, where is this house? Yeah, where is it? We'll go visit Oh, I don't you. know. I can't remember. <laughs> I'm around the time. We'll check. <laughs> like, the, the, the lesbian history in Paris is so good. It's so cool. And there's a lot of things I'd love to go and see there. So Natalie Barney's one of them. She didn't really treat women great, though. So I think Anne Lister, I love. But again, mm-hmm. she was a and she was a Tory, so mm, yeah, she yeah. um yeah she wasn't she wasn't great either, and it, or she didn't really treat women great either. Mm. Um, nobody really did back then, or mm. even now. Now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lesbians aren't perfect. <laughs> but I mean, even Natalie Barney no, was a bit dodgy in the end, didn't she? Yeah, she well, a few people. yeah, well, there was there's like she moved to Italy during the war, the Second World War, um, mm. to escape the Nazis, and she was part Jewish, so. Mm. Um, she moved to Italy with her girlfriend. I think it was Romaine Brooks, just to get away from them. But mm. then, obviously, she's lesbian and Jewish, so the, the Nazis are not safe. They, they won't like that. So then she just kind of told them other people that were Jewish and lesbians, mm. so they'd get removed. But there's, there's like, no one knows if that is true or not, or if she was helped. There's also people saying that she was helping them, but um, mm. yeah, it's not great, is it? Mm. No, mm. lesbians are mm. not perfect. 
Yeah, sadly. No, and that is definitely not being perfect, what she did. But again, we don't really know for sure if she did that. But yeah, there are there are things that point to it, unfortunately. Mm. But yeah, I love Anne Lister. I kind of like all the the um, like the bad ones, like Anne Bonny, the pirate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's just hilarious. She's just so angry. <laughs> just gets shooting people. Yeah, proper angry lesbians, really annoyed, shooting people in the legs. Um, oh, hot. <laughs> I like all of them. You say that's hot. Yeah. <laughs> Look, lesbians are not perfect. We've established this. <laughs> Gun fetish. I was, was going to ask, is there any um, person in history that you identify with? Yeah, Vita Sackville West, 100%. I love Virginia Woolf. I love mm. Virginia Woolf so much. And mm. um, I don't, I mean, I don't, maybe I do identify with her a little bit, but um, she's just like my favourite person in the world. I just think she's a very interesting character. And mm. I don't really particularly enjoy her writing, to be honest. <laughs> it's just, it's a bit, it's just a bit much. But, um, God, I can't believe I just described Virginia Woolf's writing as a bit much. <laughs> written one book and I think I can judge Virginia Woolf. <laughs> but Vita Sackville-West, I just like her attitude. She uh, she just loved women and she called herself a sapphist. I quite like that. I'd like to be, I'd like to call myself a sapphist. And, you know, she, she liked women and that when she fancied a woman, she would usually manage to get them into bed. And she had a very... interesting and nice relationship with Virginia Woolf at one point which was sexual uh Mm -hmm. but then they developed a very deep friendship because lesbians stay friends of course of course of course and yeah she she, she's someone that I I guess maybe her attitude to life I would um identify with but again she was like quite rich and of class and I am not Mm. oh well Mm. well, you're right though (laughs) Oh well, just surviving. <laughs> Can't do much about that. Um, and so if we had a time machine and we could take you back in time, which queer woman would you maybe like to live as? Oh. What become? Like become, yeah. If you if you if we could give you that. We can't, but if we could. See, I don't know if I'd want to be any of them. Um no, yeah, I'd be Natalie Barney. Before she <laughs> Before she was a horrible, good life, <laughs> anti-Semite. Yeah, before she was that, I'd be her. I'd, I want a temple in my back garden just to bring people and have sex with them. And oh yeah, I mean, she had a lot girls. of orgy parties. Yeah, yeah, she had a lot of orgy parties. Yeah, all women she as well. Like all women orgies, no men. She's a pretty interesting person. I think she's one hundred percent a gold star as well. Ah, impressive. Is there one in particular that you would want to sleep with? All of them. <laughs> no, I would, I would, I'd love to sleep with Vita Sackville West, but I feel like there'd be a, a bit of a mismatch and um, we'd, we'd both be kind of fighting to, <laughs> I don't want to, it's too much information there for this podcast, isn't it? We're all here for it. <laughs> What's wrong with nothing. Nothing. Um, No, I don't know. I'd, I don't know. <laughs> all of them. At the same time, or yeah, why not? All right, let's do it in the in the temple. Put Sappho and Natalie Barney together. See what happens. <laughs> Sappho, yeah, there you go. The OG lesbian. That's <laughs> yeah. who I'd sleep with. Because then you could be like, doing. yeah, and then you could be like, uh, I slept with Sappho, <laughs> <laughs> like the OG lesbian. Imagine that on your bedpost, on your CV. Yeah. We also wanted to ask who you think was the most revolutionary lesbian. Maybe like. 
fame or like stance, Eleanor Roosevelt is kind of up there because she's the first lady. Mm-hmm. But then someone like Lorraine Hansberry, who um one of the first black directors, first black playwrights, mm. first black woman, first black lesbian to win an award and have her and have her show on Broadway, mm. which in itself is incredible. So all of them in some way have contributed to queer history in their own way. And mm. just being themselves is revolutionary, isn't it? Just just being a lesbian, just having relationships with a woman mm. and writing about it and and daring to write about it and have that evidence to because it's it was dangerous for a lot of people. So yeah just having the courage to to do that and be themselves I think all of them deserve Mm. some sort of praise in that aspect yeah Mm -hmm. who do you think was the sassiest um Tallulah Bankhead was very sassy oh yeah she would just go to parties and introduce herself by just saying hello I'm a lesbian (laughs) (laughs) I just love that pretty much what we do now yeah yeah I, I pretty much do that she wasn't even a lesbian. She just did it for fun. She's like, she, she slept. She slept with a lot of women. I think she slept with men too. She's probably bisexual. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. how she just introduced herself. Like a lot of them are in that time in Hollywood. They're all sleeping with each other. A mm-hmm. lot of the, the sewing circle, as it was called. A lot mm-hmm. of them were all, and she was right in the middle of it. I guess you would have seen that L word. Who do you think would be like the shame of historical times? It's yeah, Vita Sackville West or Anne Lister <laughs> has. Um, Shane vibes for sure. One hundred percent, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Anne Lister used to ask women to cut off part of like bits of their pubic hair. I feel like Shane would do that. Do you... <laughs> it's oh. what they were. It's what they would do back then. So like straight couples did it as well. Like you'd ask for like a snippet <laughs> of bush, and then you they'd keep it. Okay. What you don't you don't do that? Um... <laughs> I feel like Shane would do that. She'd be like, "Give me some pubic hair." And I'll put it in a box and just keep it <laughs> she'd yeah. wear it around her neck she'd just yeah. have necklaces yeah. fused. <laughs> sexy incredible <laughs> okay last one On who do you think note. was the most romantic um none of them no, Gertrude no. Stein was quite romantic she wrote she wrote a book about her partner there you go that's another parrot another Parisian Although mm. she wasn't actually from Paris. A lot of them were from the US, weren't they? When they went and moved to Paris mm. during that mm. whole scene. Mm. Um, I think there was... I think that's a bit of a myth as well, that a lot of people think lesbians are very romantic. Mm. I'm quite romantic, but I, don't, I haven't met many romantic lesbians. I don't know, are you romantic? I do. I, I just sent my girlfriend yes. some flowers. Did you? <laughs> oh, that's pretty, that's pretty romantic. Well, yeah. basic, but yeah, I haven't done anything. I'm only like joking. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> At least you're trying. It's a little. No, effort. that's good. It's nice. <laughs> I think because of the because of the historical aspect. I mean, a lot of them had to be um, obviously like under the radar. So mm. I guess you don't really see that side of it. But I would love to see that side of it. Mm. And and Lister was quite romantic. Like she would um, like look look after her. Oh yeah. In mm. a sense, so she'd play that role of of the man or whatever, or the husband, she'd play that role in that she would look after her wife because she always wanted a wife. Mm-hmm. So I guess that would be the only way that they'd be able to understand being romantic in that way, in, in adopting yeah. those roles. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure they were very romantic. These letters that you read are just so passionate oh, yeah. and romantic. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What flowers did you send? <laughs> <laughs> it was um, a big bunch of roses. Because she just did oh. her 
yeah she um That's she just started her tattoo career so sort of congratulations That's very romantic anyway <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> um so if you had to recommend two books on queer women to our readers uh which ones would you pick Mine. After, after yours after yours obviously <laughs> yours is like already number one so this no like others two exist and three. uh hmm i don't know because i'm reading a lot of fiction weirdly at the moment and mm. i i tend to read non-fiction but the there's like a craze at the moment of sapphic rom-coms mm-hmm. which oh, yeah. i just cannot get enough of <laughs> um laura k is one of them she writes a lot of cool sapphic books like just set just normal like just just like not normal but set now mm. in a time where people just live and happen mm. to be queer or happen to be lesbian or happen to be bisexual so i've been reading a lot of that so laura k is one of them but i am reading i can't remember the guy's name but i read um shuggy bane which is i don't know if you've read it but it's about it was written by a gay scottish guy um, and it was amazing. That was really good. I tend to just read books that have queer characters in though. I mm. rarely read hetero stuff because mm. I just don't want to know. Yeah, once you're not interested, queer, you can't go back. No, you can't. I'm just not interested say. in that. So I read. Yeah, I read. I've been reading a lot of fiction recently, but um, I don't know yet. So I can't really. Sapphistries is good by Layla Roos, I think. That's okay. a good queer history book. That actually was mm-hmm. a big inspiration on my book because it's a, it's also a timeline. Mm-hmm. So she, that was yeah. good, yeah. It's yeah. very academic. But actually, there is Meg John Barker. They mm-hmm. do, like, graphic queer history. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I find academia quite difficult. So mm-hmm. it's like a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And they do feminism. They've done queer history. They've done gender. They've done sexuality. And it's in a way that's so accessible because it's all in a graphic novel. And it introduces mm-hmm. you to a lot of these characters and feminism and gender studies and things like that. So they're really good to do. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's, yeah. Add that to my, I'll add that to my bookshelf. <laughs> You're going to need another bookshelf soon. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. There's always space for more books. I did want to ask, are you writing anything else? Is there anything else we can keep an eye out for? Yeah, I'm writing about IVF because a lot of queer people want children um, and don't mm. really know that they are that they can have children for a start. Mm-hmm. They don't actually know they can. I remember mm, thinking, yeah. I just assumed I would never have kids because I didn't know I could. And then like, it's just the information out there is just so limited. So the only really a, a way a lesbian, because I had that experience, mm-hmm. we found what to do through our exes who had done it so we just messaged our exes and we're like how did you have your child and they were like oh we did this so that's honestly that is how we did it and we were very lucky yeah Uh we were very lucky it worked the first time did cost thirteen thousand pounds though oh so there's yeah i know so there's there's issues there with the whole system there's no information it's expensive Mm -hmm. um so no wonder queer people yeah. aren't having children even mm. though they want them but then mm. also there's like adopt adoption and fostering and there's a lot of unnecessary loopholes that queer people have to jump through whereas mm. a straight couple can get pregnant by accident a one night stand and mm. nobody's going to interfere with that unless obviously there are like serious things going on yeah so i wanted to make this again it's a serious subject but i wanted it to be um funny as well because this the route that me and my ex-wife went on was ridiculous but also quite funny in that 
um, we had a male doctor when my son was born. He was quite sick and he, he was, he had to go to ICU like very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and when his ears were being checked and we had this male doctor that asked us if he was going to have a male role model. Oh, what? That was the first thing he asked. <laughs> and we were like, uh, do you, is that a job you want? Or like, why you <laughs> like, what? Like, it's a random question. Like, why would you just, what? It was weird. But then when my son got, he got rushed to the ICU. So mm-hmm. my ex-wife had just had a C-section. So she was like, gone mm-hmm. so I ran up to the ICU straight away and the, the the doctor looked at me and went who are you who are you and I was like oh I'm his mum and she was like you don't look like you've just given birth and it was just like <sighs> and they, like fuck? that was the first thing they said to me and I thought my son was about to die and it was like can you imagine that someone saying that to you that then in that moment and I don't blame these people because I love mm. the NHS and I love mm. these people they work all these hours you know they do everything yeah. for us but they're not trained in this and they're not educated in this. And the whole system needs to be re rebranded and retrained. And they just, they, but they don't, there's no money. There's, the government are giving no money into it, but yeah. more and more queer people are having families and they need to be treated the same. And it's just, it's just nuts. The whole thing is nuts. But mm. yeah, I did get my boy, my beautiful boy out of it. But mm. yeah, the whole thing needs to be completely redesigned um so yeah IVF is what I'm going to write about because people don't know anything about it yeah Yeah, that sounds really exciting can't wait yeah I hope so just before we go usually on this podcast as well we do a pickup line for uh, some inspiration for our listeners which Leah provides so we're going to imagine that we are in a a bookshop browsing again because we did that last time as well yeah so you're in a bookshop you see a cute girl do you have a pickup line for her? Uh, I do. I have a pickup line for everybody. Uh, so this one, I would see the girl, set my sights on her, walk up to her, and in a very low voice, because we're in a bookshop, I would say, do you want to try an Australian kiss? It's like a French kiss, but down under. <laughs> and I thought it was just relevant because, you know, you're Australian, we're in Paris. <laughs> Well, I love that. I was I was actually seeing an Australian recently, um, oh, and really? I really wish I really wish I'd known that pickup line then because I could <laughs> oh, have used so it. I have to For find myself one. another one. Is it yeah. too late? I mean, there's a lot of Australians. Yeah, in there are. Yeah, there are. There are everywhere Australians. I don't know. Yeah, my yeah. thing is, I do have a thing for Australian accents. <laughs> this is me not. Um, I I'm not like yeah. Just have she a does thing have a girlfriend. Accents. I know. I know. This is not me doing anything. <laughs> It's just one of my things. I don't know. You know, everyone has a thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a cute accent. Right. We well. understand. We understand. <laughs> Agreed. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so yes, much for you. being here with us today, Castillo. It's really, really fun. Really it's good chat. Really, really nice. We had a great time. No, thank, thank you. you for the book as well. Yeah, thank you for the book. This is very meaningful. It, it really helped us. So I guess to all of our listeners, thank you for listening. If you have any thoughts and feelings that you'd like to share with us, you can get in touch at dicalicious.podcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram at dicalicious underscore podcast if you feel so inclined a little five star review would be very nice just to help other queer women find us and feed the algorithm also just want to say a massive thank you to our producers Elle and Maria as well yes and a massive thank you to Kirsty again. Really, it's been really great to to chat with you. It has been yeah, really nice. It was really nice. Yeah, you guys too. Thank you very much for having me on and reading the book. 
and buying the book. Well, thank you for for listening to the podcast as well. It's yeah, it's great. Thanks for making it, guys. Oh my god, thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, everyone. That's such <laughs> gratitude in the circle. <laughs> Take it off.